0: Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at rayaeyewear.com. That's R-I-A Eyewear.com. and use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, when I started this podcast, uh, I guess about a little over a year ago, when I was stuck in quarantine after catching uh, COVID early on in March, uh, I was thinking about all the different people I was hoping to get. And I have to admit that um, the man who I'm speaking to today, David Duchovny, I didn't realize was someone that I had to get because David, I didn't know that you, you you're like a closet tennis fan because, you know, I feel like all the big time actors that I've had on and I've had on a lot, Alec Baldwin, Ben Stiller, you know, go down the list. Some, some great singers as well. I know you've, you've gotten into music in the last few years. I want to talk to you about that, but why yeah. did I not know that you are into tennis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think cause I'm shy. I mean, ultimately, um, I I played when I was a kid and I I I continue to play now and I, I've actually um, I know your brother a little bit and uh, played up here in, in Malibu uh, next to him once not with him but uh, yeah I consider myself a decent player I don't I don't know but a uh, big fan I've been I go to the U.S. Open every now and then and really enjoy it and I've, I've loved tennis since childhood really I I, I used to go out. For summers to Fire Island, mm-hmm. my grandmother had a house out there. Right, and I used to play. I don't know if you've ever been out there. the The Ocean Beach used to have two courts, the one that, the one at the bay and the one at the church. And the church had a behind the baseline, you had about four feet. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of lobbing going on. <laughs> just crash guys right into the fence.
0: Right, or you had to take right. the ball early. You had to take the ball on the it rise. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, back then you could go to the net. Yeah. Right. And it was cement. It was a cement court. So. That's you know, amazing. Well, I,
0: I, I, I do want to talk to you uh, about your upbringing because it's sort of in a, in, in yeah. a, some way similar to mine. You went to uh, yeah. a, a haughty, taughty private school, as I did. You went to Collegiate in yeah. Manhattan. I went to Trinity. OK, we're just a few yeah, years apart. Sure. Yeah, I got you by you got me by yeah. a couple of years. Um, yeah. But when you. I did go to Fire Island, by the way. We had friends where we grew up in Douglaston in Queens that had a place in Fire Island, so we used to go there, like for our little beach yeah. vacation. And we grew up playing tennis at the Douglaston Club, which is in Queens. And then I played on the team for the years at Trinity. Did you ever? Pl- I know you played some hoops when you were at Princeton. Did you play tennis at all competitively, either in school or in tournaments, or just kind of for fun on the weekends? Well, you know,
1: but just just those summer tournaments. But- mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I went into high school. I, I started a collegiate in ninth grade, so I uh, I didn't go all the way through. And I was planning on playing tennis because it was my uh, aside from basketball it was probably my favorite sport, the one I thought I was best at. Right. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, when I was applying to collegiate, everybody put you know anything good I had ever done on the resume, you know, to try to get me in. Right. Of course. School to get in, and I had hit. I'd hit 900 in Little League my last year. I was wow. 18 for 20. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was on the resume. So I was practicing basketball mm-hmm. uh, in the winter. I was on the team, and the baseball coach came in to practice, and he flagged me. And he hadn't met me. I met him, sat me down. I said, "What are you doing in the spring?" Mm-hmm. I said, "I'm going to play tennis." He said, "No, you're not. You're playing baseball."
0: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: from 900 and, average. So I, I can see game. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I played baseball. That's funny uh, because man, when I when I, I was yeah, yeah when
0: I was at Trinity, um, obviously I followed my brother who had gone there, and he then yeah. you know became who he became in tennis. Right. And I was a great junior tennis player. We have another brother, Mark, who also played on the team at Trinity. Was a good player, didn't play professionally like right. us, but I actually always wanted when I was in high school to play baseball because yeah. I had no competition in tennis. When I would play the other right. private schools, I was I was such sure. a great you know national junior player. And I yeah. love baseball so much, yeah. but it turned out that I, you know, I mean, I love tennis too, but I stuck with tennis because I, I liked it so much. So you end up going Did through. You
1: hit? Were you a good hitter?
0: Uh, I was a good contact hitter, David. I couldn't right. hit for power, okay.
1: but like, could spray it.
0: I could spray the ball. I could put it between short and third, between second and yeah. short. You know, like, but I couldn't hit it, for power, it. which is sort of like my tennis game. You know, I was a good counter <laughs> puncher, but I couldn't really. I if I played a guy with big power, I was toast.
1: You've got hand-eye.
0: Exactly, which obviously you did too and yep, still do. I, did.
1: I don't know. I had an eye injury. It kind of screwed my hand-eye. Playing basketball, I screwed up one of my eyes, and it it makes it harder for me to track a ball. But tennis, I can do it because, you know, I'm not playing against pros. They're not hitting 120 miles an hour. But I I don't know if I could hit a fast baseball anymore with my eye. Yeah, I'm intrigued.
0: But, I, I, but- but you like to play, and, and by the way, that's probably the Malibu, what is it, the Malibu Tennis Club where you play up there, because that's why I know my brother, he's been there a lot during, yes. the, during the pandemic, because he spent more time out there, kind of left the city.
1: Yeah, I, I just moved back out here, so I hope to be playing out there more, um, but yeah, that's where I saw him, and they've got, they've got some clay up there too, which is nice. Which is it's unusual,
0: really okay, very, uh, to find clay in Southern California is very difficult.
1: Well I, well, I also, for the last eight years or, or more, when I was living in, in Manhattan, and my kids were in school. My right. son just graduated high school, which is why I came back out to California. But I lived on 92nd and CPW, so I was looking at the at gra- at the at the clay courts right there. They have beautiful clay mm-hmm. courts in Central Park.
0: I used to live on 90th and Central Park West.
1: Okay. We've been following one Oh, another. my goodness. You it's, know, it's, it's, it's so it's... much fun to go down to those courts because see. Yep. Every kind of style, mm-hmm. like every everybody that was never taught how to play tennis but got good on their own, it's amazing to see because nobody hits the textbook, but it but it works. A lot of people kind of have these strange right. strokes that work.
0: The first um, apartment I ever bought was the one when I started when I made some money in pro tennis in my sort of mid twenties when I kinda, uh, I kind of made it. So I bought this apartment right on Central Park West. Uh, yeah, three hundred Central Park West. And I used to walk into Central Park periodically with like a hitter or someone to to actually sure. train. So yeah. I would call them up and they would always say, Okay, we can get your court at such and such time. And yeah, uh, and it was like clockwork. All these guys like you're talking about would come up to me and say, Hey, you know, you need a hit, Patrick? Or you know, I can I could show you something. And I was just like amazed that these guys are out there all day, you know, in all the day, summertime. Just
1: running balls down. Yeah. Just running balls. And, I lived at three twenty. Unbelievable.
0: So, so, see, so we, yeah. it has been, a, it's been a long time coming yeah. for you to get on yeah. my podcast. Yeah. I'm so, by the way, thank you so much for doing it. And uh, hey, let, let, let's talk thank about you. what you're up to because you,
1: you've well, come. Well, let me say before, yeah. I mean, you know, why I, why I want to do it is not only because I like tennis, but I, I think you are, you know, one of the great commentators of, of tennis. And it's not, it's not an easy job. And it's not, and it's a, I watch a lot of sports, and mm-hmm. I, I get mad at commentators, You know, and so when, do there's I. One, yeah. <laughs> when there's a good one, there's a good one. I recognize it, and I want to recognize that. Well, I appreciate I it. You,
0: oh, you're very, you're too it, kind. Thank it, you. No, I mean it's it. an almost
1: an impossible job because you gotta, you gotta tread the line between advertising and truth let's say Mm. and i think i think you do it very well
0: Well, thank you you got to you got to be honest but you also got to be you know sort of positive and you know tough when you have to be but you know mostly people want to watch it to be entertained and i hope slightly educated about the game so speaking of of, of education because yours is pretty damn impressive and uh you know, looking at your history and what you've done. I mean, obviously I know you from X-Files and Californication and your, your huge acting roles. But when I, when I heard that you might come on the podcast, obviously I, I did my homework on just your history Mm -hmm. and so on. So, a Princeton undergrad and going to my wife also went to Yale and she was going to go to Yale drama school and and, and pulled out oh. because she got a job on on Broadway and ended up working on Broadway but so I'm a, a, mm-hmm. I, I love Yale uh, because of her I went to Stanford to play mm-hmm. tennis and sure. uh, how did it end up I mean I, I I know that you obviously were into writing I know about your parents as well that Um, they sort of turned you onto it, but when you just, and when you got the X-Files, I mean, you were already what, like early to mid thirties, right? So what, just kind of what happened for you to be so into the academics and you were an amazing student, both at Princeton and at Yale to then sort of use that to say, you know, I want to get into acting as a, as, as a job profession. How did that happen?
1: Um, you know, you, when you look at things in retrospect, they seem kind of planned, or there, there seems to be a logic to them, or or, or a or or, or a course that that seems, you know, faded in a way. But there wasn't anything like that. I mean, I I started getting interested in acting at Yale because I started getting interested in playwriting, mm-hmm. and I started getting interested in playwriting because I was uh, didn't want to be a poet or a novelist because I thought, oh my God. I'll sit in a room alone for the rest of my life. And I was only 26, 25, 26, 27. And I was like, the actors seem to have a better time. Why don't I hang out with them? And I can write plays. And and then I thought, well, if I want to write plays, I should know something about acting. So I started to go to class in New York. I would would ride my bicycle to the train station in Haven, Mm. take the bike on the train, take the train to New York, ride to class, ride back to the train. It was kind of a great... Cool. little existence I had going on there. So I was just I was just interested. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I got more and more interested in, in that aspect and obviously less interested in playwriting. Uh, I, I got back to writing, you know, later on in life. I right. published my first novel at 55, so and I did you, come and, back and to you pub- it.
0: And you've published three more since. You've written four books.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, well, I have a lot of time to make up for it. And I think... Go ahead. yeah <laughs> I just think that um I don't know, you know it's funny when you, when you, when, you, when you put it like that, when I'm hearing it back at me, it's like, yeah, you know that's kind of you know twenty seven twenty eight is is when I really started trying to pursue acting in earnest, and it, it it's not a great bet, you know it's mm-hmm. a little late to start on that bet, and it's not a good bet, no matter when you start it. It's a terrible, terrible odds in the profession. You know, so um, if I if I really thought about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. I don't know. It's just following instinct, you know, in some way.
0: It sounds like instinct and, and also passion. And when I look at what you've done in the last, especially 10, 15 years, having uh, written four novels and then deciding – as you did, I mean, I I watched a bunch of your interviews as far as how you got into songwriting, and then you just took up, you, yeah. you picked up the guitar because you were sitting in trailers, you know, and, and you obviously are, are a thinking person. Like, you know, I could see you saying, yeah, I'm making all this money, I'm doing amazing, but, like, what else yeah. am I doing? Like, what and, yeah. is that a little bit what happened with how you started just strumming the guitar and then thinking, hey, actually, maybe I'll write some songs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I felt... I was I'm, I'm satisfied with acting and I really enjoy it when I do it and I really love directing as well and writing for stage or screen or whatever but there was there were I just felt like there were more things that I wanted to to do in a way but in, in terms of music I'd never thought that anything would come of that because I started basically when I was 50 just playing guitar in my trailer as you say and it was really just for myself and then. I found that I had kind of melodies come to me, which was very surprising because I was never a singer. I, mean, I was I was the opposite of a singer. Mm-hmm. I was I was the person that people you know said, "Why don't you lip sync?" You know the the Christmas carols <laughs> right. over there, and um, total everything total surprise to me. Um, it is the most surprising thing to me in my life, not you know becoming a successful actor, which is a surprise, but the most surprising thing is that I I write songs and sing them, or sing them live, anything like that. It doesn't make any sense if if you knew me when I was a kid.
0: This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better. They relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at That's RiaEyewear.com. That's R I A Eyewear.com. Use the code Patrick to get twenty dollars off your first pair. I promise. You will love these sunglasses. This episode of Holding Court is being brought to you by True, that's T R U, the lifestyle beverage. Absolutely amazing. Go to drinktrue.com to learn more. I suggest you try out the True sampler 30% off with the code PATRICK. <laughs> I've read a little bit about your band and, and Colin, who I yeah. know was you, you worked alongside who said, you, yeah. you said helped you in so many ways. Is that the thing yeah. you're looking forward to in the, the most right now? I know you, you're going to go on on tour and my wife's a singer. So she's actually just started going back and doing some shows. She's actually up in Provincetown yeah. right now. And so, she, right. Just, so I see that world starting to come back. And is that, is that sort of what gets your juices flowing the most at the moment?
1: No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, it, it certainly does. But I have I have ambitions uh, with the, the last novel to turn into a, a series, and I'm developing it at Showtime, and that would be the first time that mm-hmm. I was really the driving force behind the creation of a show. And I would I I think I would feel not that I didn't give 100% to the other ones, but I would feel differently about that. And it's something that I've thought about for a long time you know why aren't you doing more as, as pertains to a show why are you just acting you know if you can combine other elements of what you do so i am looking forward to that that gets me very excited performing live is great mm-hmm. you know um there's nothing like it but it's it, it, it it's like a it's like a short-term high in a way and it, it's not it's not like writing songs which i feel are kind of forever and wonderful Um, I'd rather have more time to sit with the band and write. Mm. I love going out and playing with them because it's completely new to me and it is nice to, to be in a live performance, whether it's acting or, or music. But I love, I love the, I love the creating part. So I love the writing. I love the writing of the song. So figuring that out. I love writing books. I love, you know, all that. So that's, I think my, that gets my uses going the most is, Mm. is actually creating the stuff.
0: Well, it uh-huh. seems it seems it, it seems inevitable then that truly, like lightning, which is the show you're talking about, right? The book you wrote for yeah. Showtime—that's the one that's in development—that it would it would come to this because it's kind of putting together all of your skills, you know, that you've learned over the years directing. I hope so. I mean, maybe pro- I you know, so. is, this is sort of the first thing that I guess you would say. I'm also producing, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably listed as a producer of of shows like Californication or Aquarius and. I'm certainly, you know, a voice in the room in those, in those places, but uh, this would be the first real. I mean, I would consider myself this is my first real job as a producer. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: Where do you see yourself in ten years? So you're you're sixty now. I just had <laughs> I just turned fifty five. I just turned the big five five. I was at Wimbledon, which was awesome the, the to be double back. Double nickel. There. The double nickel. You're gonna be sixty one, like pretty soon. I think it'll be a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Um, days yeah. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I you put
1: to slow down at some point. No, no, you're uh, not I don't gonna, feel gonna like slow down. down. No, you're not gonna I don't slow down. I don't wanna slow down. You gotta keep. You gotta uh, I, keep. drop How you, you gotta keep hitting
0: <laughs> that tennis ball? Describe your game to me. How would you say your, your game is, your tennis um,
1: game? I've got a I've got a i have got a, I got a '70s game, man. I I try and come over the top. I try to hit the big topspin. Mm. I try to hold the racket in the new way, but I find that you know my body just it it just wants to hit flat. You know, I I, I pretty much hit flat. I hit hard. Um, what kind of, racket, out, what kind of racket? What kind of racket did you? Around. Yeah,
0: what did you grow up with? What kind of racket did you play with?
1: <laughs> I grew up. I played with the the Tad Davis.
0: Oh, God, that's a classic! I love it. The Tad Davis. I played with yeah. the
1: Dunlop. Okay. The, the Dunlop. Uh, my dad then got himself the the T two thousand the Wilson. Mm.
0: Yeah, the Jimmy the Connors Jimmy racket. Connors.
1: Yep, yep. Terrible racket. Terrible racket.
0: Connors could and, could work you, magic with it. Yeah.
1: Yes. You could hit it a mile with that racket, right. and the problem was you pretty much hit it a mile every time with that racket. <laughs> um, I loved that Dunlop; it was such a pretty racket. Uh, I think that was my favorite racket, and now I. Play with
0: a bob lot mostly. Uh, so yeah, if you're playing with a babolat and you're trying to hit flat, you got serious problems, David. Serious problems. Yeah, I should
1: change rackets. Yeah, yeah you should. I, use? I think. Well, I this use a, what I
0: need. I use a wilson because of, you know I actually learned to play. You know, I played with a wood racket till I was about I'm going to say 15 or 16, and so yeah. I learned this exactly the same way you learn. You know, short take back you'll stay through the ball and 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 you in fact i've been working with a few kids literally just this week i do a lot of teaching now of our kids which is awesome and by the way you should try some of that too because you'd be just talking to you and looking at your background you'd be an awesome teacher in in anything oh
1: i'd love to yeah i love teaching
0: but 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 anyway um i'm trying to get a lot of kids because they all think that they got to swing super hard and super fast because they watch what they see on tv and they see the pros doing it I'm like, no, you actually yeah. got to swing like through the ball. You have to be, you know, almost like you're playing with a wood racket. And you'd be amazed yeah. at how few kids can actually do that properly these days. Because I, b-
1: I believe it. I believe it. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I love to watch the game. It's amazing. But I'm kind of sorry that they ever changed the rackets. I know that it's a completely different game. But it's probably more exciting to people that don't know tennis because you get to hit harder and mm-hmm. harder and harder. But there was something about the old game that I think it was, there were more variables. There was more touch. I mean, even though, you know, these players have touch too, but uh, you just couldn't overpower somebody. I mean, you could a little bit like Stan Smith could, I guess, but you could, if you had, you know, if you had a you big know, serve.
0: Rare. Yeah. If you had a big serve, yeah. but you're right in general, you couldn't sort of overpower someone. Um, with topspin or consistency from the baseline, so in that way, how could
1: you hit topspin with that Dunlop with, with that wooden uh, racket? you yeah, couldn't. You no,
0: I mean Borg <laughs> actually hit a little bit of topspin, which yeah. is which is you know I've talked to people about this because I said, well, what if Borg played Nadal in the in the at right. the French Open with a wood racket? What do you think would happen?
1: <laughs> oh, he'd get it would be love, love, love. I think for who. No, so Nadal, no, you no, no, Nadal no, no! no I'm saying, no, racket. no, no!
0: They both have to play with the same racket. Yeah. Oh, so. Oh,
1: I think, so, think Borg. Bor would win. That's, that's what, what I'm Nadal saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I also yeah. think that if they played, if Borg had grown up with a Babolat racket, the same way that Nadal did. Um, now, Nadal's yeah. a little bit bigger. Uh, they're slightly Leave taller. No but let Leave me. No let me tell you something. Borg is faster than Nadal.
1: In yeah, a Borg was fast, huh?
0: Oh, my God. But people don't believe... People think I'm... Even Brad Gilbert, who's one of my cohorts at ESPN. By the way, he's also in Malibu. You should hit with him one time. He yeah, would, you would love he's that. He's a good commentator. He's great. He's a, he's, he's a character, yeah. and you would love hitting with him. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we have this argument. He's like, no, no, Nadal would kill him. You know, three... St- I said, no, no, no. You, people underestimate the athletic... Even even my brother. Like, I watched tapes of my brother and playing Borg, you know, back in the day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like... He was so freaking fast, you know. I'm talking about my brother Borg too, and so people. Oh yeah,
1: your brother was fast.
0: Oh my god! So if I, he played. He was a big soccer player too at Trinity. He played on the soccer team right. in those years. David, we both of us we played on the soccer team every fall at Trinity. So I would right. go to Central Park and practice, and then we'd go up to Van Cortlandt Park to play the games. We play collegiate, and yeah. you know, we'd go up and play yep. Hackley. The schools up there, and uh, I loved it. Because I would, I would just play tennis on the weekends. Of course, now, you know, I run the, our, our McEnroe Academy at Randall's Island in New York, which by the way, if you come back to New anytime you come to New York, now that you've been so nice to do my podcast, you need, uh, you come and play tennis with me anytime in our academy. I,
1: I will. I've looked at that place many times because my son played baseball on those fields yes. for years. Yep. Randall's. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, so let me tell you who the other active big time actors I've played tennis. Bradley Cooper is actually very good in tennis, pretty solid. Yeah, I can't get him to do. Solid. I can't get him to do my podcast yet, but I'm still working on it. Uh, ben Stiller. Oh, he should then if he played. With him. I know exactly. Ben Stiller, little up and down, but you know very uh, energetic. Ben That's and I a... have
1: talked to each other about playing, but we never had. He had, he had like an elbow problem.
0: Yes, well, exactly, because he was coming to our academy all the time taking lessons, not for me, from one of our other pros. And uh, yeah. and then he went under the uh, uh, out with the injury. I'll tell you who's very good, t- really the best tennis players I've played with that are actors, Timothy Oliphant. You know him?
1: I know who it is. Yeah. I didn't know he was a tennis player. Really
0: solid tennis player. And uh, Scott Foley, who's been on a couple of big TV shows. Uh, yes. and, and how I he met works. these guys, just so you know, um, David, is through – so the pro celebrity circuit, you know, Chris Everett has a big event every year and her, for her charity in Florida, and uh, that's how I've met a lot of these people. So I'm wondering where the heck you've been, because we need to get you into some of these.
1: <laughs> I told you I'm shy. I, I, I did a I did a I did an event um, for Justin Gimelstob years and years mm-hmm. ago, probably ten years ago, where I played doubles. It was me and Andy Roddick against a rotating cast of of Gimelstaub, James Blake
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, Isner.
0: <clears throat> Maybe Marty fish. He wasn't there. Cause he's buddies with those guys. They all played, no. they all played for me in uh, Davis cup when I was the yeah. Davis cup captain. Yeah.
1: So that was, that was, uh, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was playing against, I, was you, like, yeah. Roddick, I felt like Roddick really wanted to win, you know, oh, so I was yeah. getting a little nervous. Like yep. I don't want to screw up. And, um, Isner I was goofing around with the crowd and Isner was practicing a serve. He nearly killed me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention. Right. And then and then uh, James Blake on a on erotic second serve, I was at net, um, just hit a bullet about six inches from my head. I barely moved. I didn't get my racket on it. <laughs> right. And then he said, I'm so sorry. He said, If I if I knew I could still do that, I'd still be on the tour. He yeah. said Yeah. He wasn't he, he, he knew just,
0: exactly what he was doing, trust me. Yeah. He, knew <laughs> he, exactly, yeah, he knew exactly. Yeah, he knew exactly. Used to when I when he first started playing Davis Cup for us, he was our you know hot young guy, gun, and I used to go out and yeah. hit, hit with him, and then I come to the net, and I I'm telling you, he used to try yeah. to hit. He used to hit the forehand so hard, so I would like I'd have to stand like three feet further back than I normally would because I'm like he's and he yeah. would love it. He would try to hit you in the head if he, he thought it was the funniest <laughs> okay. thing ever.
1: So All he's right, still well, doing that, that with
0: David Duchovny. That's not right,
1: <laughs> you know. I wish I, had, I wish I had that moment back then. All right, tell me, um, before
0: I let you go, and I, I so appreciate yeah. you doing this and giving me this time, Jesterland is coming out. Yeah. I want to hear about th- yeah. the new record. Give me, give, give it to me.
1: I mean, these, these are songs that we've been working on for the past uh, two or three years, and just, you know, I, I don't know. I write songs kind of from my own experience, but I try to make them universal. I mean, for me, the best songs are always like ones that you can put yourself into the... Into the speaker, into the singer's uh, mind or voice. You know, like the songs where you go, "How did they? How did they write that song about me?" You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I what I go for is like I take what is personal to me and I try to make it something that anybody listening to would would relate to, but also just enjoy the music. And I think, in terms of production and in terms of style, you know, it's probably the more sophisticated album that we've made i think the first album was really the guys trying to figure out what it was i was trying to do and i really didn't know what i was trying to do so it it comes out kind of first out you know folky or or country rock because it's just simple it's just me and a guitar and some chords and they didn't want to get in the way of that and then as we've gotten to know each other we've kind of you know experimented with other production styles other sounds other arrangements other bringing in you know a lot of other instruments, stuff like that, and just getting richer. So I feel like it's a really rich album.
0: Well, listen, um, you've had a really rich life. That's obvious. And oh, I'm, I'm you, sure Patrick. you will continue to do that. It's been awesome. Uh, you know, just, I'm going to get
1: your yeah. number. Yep. I'm going to get your number and, and I, we're going to hit. And, um, I, I, hope to be, uh, you know, tell me honestly, am I as good as all oh, Fanta Cooper? I <laughs> going to war exactly. That? We'll take but these I,
0: guys on. Exactly.
1: I will tell you this. Um, when I first started acting, I went to, um, my manager was, uh, English and we went to Wimbledon, mm. uh, in, I think 1989 when I first got out to LA and she, she was, uh, good friends with Chris Ever, So mm. we were kind of hooked up and we went to this club. I think it might've been the hard rock cafe where it seemed like all these tennis players wanted to be rock stars, your brother among them. So it was a band that had your brother and Matt's Velander playing guitar.
0: Yep. Yeah, Matt. And, yeah, Matt Velez or Pat Cash, big guitarist, and Vitas Garalitis, who unfortunately left uh, us way Vetus. too early. Talk v- about fast. Yeah, Vitas. Well, yeah, ex- fast in a lot of ways. Okay. And yeah. v- and Vitas <laughs> is the one who got John into guitar, and he actually John is a decent guitarist, and started playing guitar for basically the same reason you did. You know, right. Big star, making a, of a shitload of money, time on your hands. What am I going to do? And yeah. um, so.
1: Uh, So I saw them. I saw them play.
0: Yeah, Hard Rock used to be the way you have the player party there every year at the Hard Rock.
1: Yeah, that's what it was, I guess, yeah. Amazing.
0: All right, David, you are the best. Uh, Really enjoyed it. All right, thank you,
1: Patrick. I'm uh, going to take you up next time I'm back east. Uh, I would love to hit anywhere, anytime. Sounds good. We'll figure it out.
0: David Duchovny, everyone, on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.